And so Jesus takes up a rope and he wraps it around his hand and he begins to turn over their tables. Let's let's read on in this passage. It keeps moving to a different spot. Sorry. Um, And he drove out all who sold and bought in the temple and he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons or doves. Man, oh man. In, in this, this same, if you went over to Mark chapter 11, it would, it would add that he wouldn't even let anybody carry anything. It was a, this courtyard was a shortcut for people who carried on commerce. If they had goods that they needed to sell and they made them over here and they needed to get them quick over to the shop, they'd cut through this place. It was a shortcut. It says he didn't even let them do that. He made them drop their, bird, their stuff and run. Get out! Wow. Jesus is demonstrating the fact that he has all authority. That it's by his authority. You know, Jesus said to his disciples, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Ask whatever you want and I'll give it. Ask whatever you want, I'll give it to you. Because I have the authority. He had the authority to drive them out. Now, they left. They all left. Nobody stayed. They took nothing. They just left. They recognized Jesus' authority, but, but at the same time, they recognized another thing. They had heard John the Baptist. John the Baptist had come and said, I come and there's one coming after me that I, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. He's going to, he is going to be the one. And he's coming. So repent. Repent. Be cleansed. Have your sins washed away. And many did. Even the chief priests and the elders and the scribes, they went out to hear John the Baptist. And everybody believed him to be a true prophet. And there hadn't been a prophet in Israel for 400 years. And then John came speaking in the wilderness. And they went, and they heard, and they listened. And then Jesus came preaching and teaching and healing. And on this day, he came and he cleansed the temple. Cleansed it. Look what it says after that. Jesus says, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. Remember, this is the place that anybody could come and pray. Anybody could come and pray. But who's, who can pray with all the noise and all the stuff and all the chaos? Who can pray? The holiness of the place had been defiled. And he says it's a den of robbers. And it's really important to recognize something about that. See, each of those people had to pay a franchise fee for their little spot to sell or change or do whatever. And who did they pay? Annas and the chief priests. They're making tons of money. It was said by other historians at the time that if if you were to buy your sacrifice there in the courtyard, it was probably going to cost you 10 times what it would cost to buy elsewhere. But the chief priests and uh, and the elders, they would do be the ones who would approve whatever the sacrifice was so that it was worthy and they would only approve that which was purchased in their 
That's a racket. And they're making a, a boatload of money. And the money changers, it said they would charge a 25% fee to change the money. And of course, some went into the pockets of those who were over the place that they were at. So when Jesus came in and drove all these people out, what do you think happened the next day? They came back. Now some would say, well, you just said that Jesus has all authority and he told them to get out. Then why did they come back? Let's think about that for a second. You ever notice sometimes that you've prayed to God and you say, God, please change this course of my life so that it doesn't happen anymore and it, and it goes away and then it comes back? You ever notice that? The money changers came back because they had paid a fee for their spot and that was their livelihood and they didn't know what else to do. This is how they made their, their wages. And so they came back the next day to carry on their trade. The people who sold bulls and sheep and rams and all those other things, they came back because they, they, they had a spot. This is where they made their living. This was their job. They came back. Jesus' authority is pure, true, and overall. But he doesn't force, us on it, force his authority on us. He expresses his authority into our lives. And then we choose either to be under that authority or not. The money changers didn't have to come back. They just thought they should. Because they didn't recognize the authority of Christ kicking them out. See what I'm saying? Does that make sense? It's true in our lives too. We decide the authority that we're going to listen to. That does not change the, the nature of the authority itself. But we choose. And so did they. But look what happens next. It says, And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. Let me read you something from... I, I read this in the commentary this, this week, and I thought, wow, you know, that, that, really, that really says something, especially in our times, and in the present time especially. It says, During the hidden years of his adolescence and young adulthood, and certainly during his ministry, Jesus had seen much social injustice. Social injustice. What would social injustice be? Uh, somebody is left out because they look different or they, they think different or they speak different or they, they, they have different beliefs. There was much social injustice. It happened in their time and it happens in ours. Much economic inequality. <coughs> much economic inequality. Seems that there's some sort of a campaign going on right now that everybody's talking about economic inequality and how they're going to fix it. Right? Some say we can do it together. Others say I'm the only one that can make it happen. It was going on then, it's going on now. There's much deprivation and poverty and much oppression and cruelty by the Romans in his time. There's all kinds of cruelty now. But his mission never focused on those things. 
Think about that for just a second. Jesus' mission never focused on social inequality. It never focused on, on social injustice, uh, economic inequality, deprivation, poverty. He didn't make poor people rich. His mission was not focused on any of those problems. Not that those problems aren't things that we shouldn't care about. I'm not saying that. Nor was it something that he didn't care about. It's just not his, what his mission was focused on. And the reason that his mission was not focused on those things is because they are not man's greatest problems. They're not man's greatest problems. And it was, far more, it was the far more severe problem of sin that Jesus had come to conquer. Men's problems with God uh, is infinitely greater than their problems with each other. They cannot, in fact, solve their problems with each other until their problem with him is solved through faith and obedience. The temple would have stayed cleared if the money changers, by faith, had obeyed. But they didn't. They didn't recognize that the greatest problem that they had to face wasn't whether or not they were going to eat tomorrow, but whether or not they knew who God was and whether God was effective in their lives. And it's easy to point at the money changers because those, you know, grubby money changers were robbers. But it's, you know, the same with us. You ever noticed how, well, let me tell you it this way. I, I had this gal this week said, said to me, um, it's funny, we were having a political conversation and she wanted to turn it to something less controversial. So she don't, wanted to talk about religion. <laughs> and she says, you know, I just hate Christians because they're haters. Wait. You hate because they hate. So you hate as they hate. Am I getting that right? I had another woman one time say to me, you know what? I cannot stand, put up with, I, I don't even want to be around anybody who's intolerant. Okay. That's where the world's at. That is where the world's at. They, they look at things that is different than themselves and they hate it. Though they all talk about unity. They hate it. And when confronted by the holy God of the universe who has all authority, that's a fearful thing. I mean... It says then, after Jesus healed these people in the temple, that the chief priests and the elders and the scribes and all the religious leaders, they looked at that and they became indignant. They weren't indignant that he kicked the people out. They became indignant because he was healing people. They believed that if you were sick, blind, lame, had leprosy, if you were poor, then it was... What you deserved because it was either your sin or your parents' sin and you were being punished for it and you're getting what you deserved. And so when Jesus came and healed them, he was saying, no, that's not true. This is a common reality for mankind. 
and I wish them to know something better. But they were indignant that he thought, they thought that he was saying that God's judgment was not righteous. <laughs> and so they became indignant, and they wanted to kill him. In fact, it says in Mark, they went and they planned a way to kill him. But they were afraid of the crowds because they believed him to be the Messiah. In fact, they confronted Jesus on that. By what authority do you do these things? And he says, well, tell me this then. I'll I'll answer your question, but tell me this. By um, whose authority did John the Baptist preach? And he said, well, wait, wait. They think he's a prophet. So if we say it was... It, it, that he didn't have God's authority, then he wouldn't be a prophet and the people will rise up and there'll, there'll be a riot and it, we can't, can't do that. But if we, if we say if it wasn't from heaven, then, oh my goodness, I, uh, we, we don't know. We don't know by whose authority. Jesus said, okay, then I won't tell you by whose authority either. And he walked away. Jesus' heart is for Holiness and purity and goodness. He is absolutely passionate for that. And yet, people say things like, I hate Christians because they're haters, because they just don't see him there. How often have we decided that someone else's sin is greater than our own, therefore we will exclude them? Look at the high priest, that's what they did. These people's sin is greater. And look at him. I'm indignant because he's healing them. And, but they never even saw the fact that they were robbers. They were cheaters. They made a holy place into a profane place, a common place, something that was never intended to be. But your sin is greater than mine, so you're worse. Wow. And as I was first studying this passage, I thought, you know, this is a tough passage to pre- preach to individuals because it seems to indicate that we've got to work really, really hard not to be this way. We've really got to spend every day making sure that none of this noise gets into our life, that we've got to, we've got to shut it out, we've got to stop it, we've got to quit. But what God laid on my heart is that, no, this is a, this is a message to the church first. The church is the bride of Christ the bride of Christ, who he will present to God holy and blameless and spotless. He is absolutely passionate about perfecting the church, purifying the church, and we then reside within the church. And how do we get to this place where we have holiness and truth and we follow after Christ? We stop working. We obey. We let go. We let him. We let him. The money changers came back because they didn't know what else to do. They didn't know they could quit. They felt they still had to work. The sellers of animals came back because that was their job. They thought that's what the church, the body, the temple had called them to be. So they came back. Our, our sinfulness, if you will, are the things that separate us, the things that we struggle with, they come back because we keep trying to keep them away. 
and we can't. We think we have the authority over our own sin. We don't. We don't. You can't come to church every Sunday, every day. You can't give enough money. You can't feed enough poor people. You can't volunteer in enough hospitals. You can't go on the mission field and do it for yourself. Paul talked about that. He said, you know, I can give my body to be burned, but if I don't have love, I'm a clanging cymbal and a resounding gong. I am worthless. I am without purpose. Without Christ, it's meaningless. We're just working. Jesus cleared the temple to proclaim to all people for all time, I have the authority. I have the authority. Hear me. Listen. Obey. Quit working so hard. You can't be holy by working. You can only be holy by me. I'm your holiness. I'm your truth. I've done the work. It is finished. finished Jesus didn't come to die for the sins that you've sinned only he came to die for the sins you're sinning and the sins you're yet to sin if you want to know if that's true think of this he knew what you were going to do before he made the world and he made it anyway he knew that the people would reject Jesus and crucify him and hang him on the cross. And he made us anyway. He made us anyway. He knew you before you even were born. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He loved you with a great love. He loved you and numbered your days. He calls you then just to one thing. Walk by faith, not by sight. Walk by faith. Trust me. Be humble enough to lay your burdens down. Think of that. Be humble enough to lay your burdens down. The burden of the desperate work of trying to be holy on your own. Lay it down. My yoke is easy and light. All you are burdened and heavy laden, come to me. I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. And when it comes back, I'll help you drive it out again. If it takes every day, I'll do it for you. I'll do it for you. Because I love you. If I'll do it for you, I'll do it more so even for the church because I want the church to be that which people see as the holiness of God among man. And that holiness of God and that love and that grace that the church is about then will be seen by man and they'll respond and they'll hear and they'll know Christ 
and be saved. So I ask you each, as part of the church, to recognize that the only way that we can get to that place is to quit telling people what we stand against and live in that which Christ lives for. Live in what Christ lives for. There's a song that was written a few years ago. And it was challenging. I remember hearing it and thinking, oh my goodness, how could I ever come to understand that, that the, the writer wrote. He said, you know, if we're the body of Christ, why aren't our lips speaking love to the world? Why aren't our feet going where those that don't know him are? Why aren't our hands reaching for those that need a hand up? Why aren't our eyes seeing the brokenhearted? Why aren't our ears hearing the distress of those around us and expressing into their lives the love that we have understood from him? Why are we making our sin less that their sin might be more so that they can't be in fellowship with us? Hmm. It's, it's hard if you, if you leave this place thinking, I need to do that. I need to do that. Or, I can never do that. I can never do that. Both of those statements are true. The only one who can is he who has authority. The one who has all authority in heaven and earth. The one who has said, ask me in anything in my name and I'll give it to you. I have the authority to call on me. Call on me. Because I wish my church to be holy and blameless and spotless and presented before God. And I want you to be in that body because we are all many parts but one body. Call on me. Call on me. Heavenly Father, we ask that we don't hear this message as a greater burden that you have so clearly exemplified in cleansing the temple. Lord, don't let our hearts turn to more burdens. Let our hearts turn to laying those burdens down before you. And in so doing, walk by faith. Lord, let us no longer cling to our own ways and authority, but be obedient to yours. Lord, this week I ask that each one will have an opportunity to feel that sense of peace that comes with laying down the burdens and letting you have authority in our lives. And so when we pray, Lord, we ask that we understand that we come before the ruler of the universe who made all things, who has promised that if we come in faith, calling on your name as the authority, that you'll give us whatever we ask. Lord, you are the authority in our lives. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I pray for each one here that you'll make the walk that you intended for each one clear. 
Take away the cacophony of noise and chaos that so surrounds us in this world, calls us to things far from you, but give us your peace by your grace that we so often miss. Lord, we love you. We come to you because we know you are the Savior. And so, Lord, we give you ourselves in Jesus' name. Amen. Go and have a great day in the Lord. Thanks for being here.